<laughs> hey, this is Headbanger Thrasher. And this is Headbanger Mosh. And you're listening to Live, Live and in, in Color, color with Wolfie D. <laughs> hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13 to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. All right, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Once again, live in color with Wolfie D, who is currently on the mend. And I apologize if I laugh and scream ow at the same time. You might hear <laughs> coming off the hernia thing just on the mend. Jimmy across the street. How are you doing today? I'm good, brother. But more importantly, how are you feeling, dude? Yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's definitely a a very sore uh, surgery makes you sore, but it, they they did it was actually cool the way they did it. I guess they they cut three holes in the in your side and they put little tubes through there to get to the navel and yeah. cameras and a little robot arm and all this kind of stuff. So it's pretty cool how they did it. It's like I almost got like a little bit of like. Plastic surgeries. My my belly button looks different. Nice. <laughs> I know nice. it's so swollen, but uh, although I didn't have a problem with my old one, but you know, I, it just looks a little different to me. Now, are you an any or an Audi? <laughs> no, I'm an any. I think. Yeah. I think now. Remember, we talked about this hernia surgery. I had it when mm-hmm. I was five. I did have an Audi before that surgery. I don't know if that's where the uh, hernia was put it bulging through or whatever but as yeah. a, as most of my life i have not had that since five years old or whatever old i was four or five something like that but yeah yeah, yeah. so just on the men they did a good job uh i mean a lot of stuff got up actually i had the surgery on saturday but got postponed due to being in a small town and emergencies that come in have priority over crazy you know, bro yeah but anyway yeah uh, sure and I and I get that, but we did it on Saturday, so you know Sunday uh, hanging out. I actually watched SummerSlam. Did you watch SummerSlam? I did, man. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I, it was something. <laughs> man, I thought that the first match uh, with Logan Paul, or is that which one is he? I get them confused. Their names. He's Logan. Yeah, Logan and Ricochet. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I, I just his brother, the boxer. I can't remember who's who, but uh, anyway, man, I thought they stole the show. Quite frankly, I, I didn't watch the main event because I actually thought after the women's match it was over. For some, <laughs> I, I don't know why I thought that, but I did. And I'm not gonna, you know, I don't like really knocking everything, but that that was not any of their best performances in that women's match uh, at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Logan, they stole the show, man. Everything. I just hope, you know, the people out there, the guys that, that wrestle, you know, can take that match and go, you know what? They did a whole bunch of really cool stuff, but guess what? They made it make sense too. Yeah. It, it was put in an, it was great psychology. I love the spot where uh, I can't. Uh, uh, Paul was selling and, and Ricochet's going to the ropes and he's got him by the ankles. Just he's yes. selling. Got him by the ankles to stop him. Little shit like that, man. Right. Uh, and right. they didn't look like they were setting up for this or here, let's work together to make this move. It looked it looked legitimate as it could for nowadays, you know, that they were doing these moves to each other and not doing the moves together. You know, you try not to see it that way. And, 
you know, I just wish that the general public uh, didn't have such access to um, the behind the scenes stuff in wrestling because it's just so much more fun to watch it when you just let it go like that, you know, and go, man, let the magic happen. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you you know what's funny is Logan Paul is so polarizing. Every time, you know, like between matches that he wrestles, I'm always like, eh, screw that guy, who cares, Logan Paul. But then he gets in a match, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's wrestling like a 30-year vet right now. You know, it's crazy. So he he does have that element about him. But I agree. I thought after that match, it went downhill, and the the whole show. And, you know, SummerSlam's considered one of the big four shows, and I I just feel like they, you know— and that's the beauty of it is because you want that hot opener, right? You want yeah. that first match to kick ass, but then you want to follow it up with some other stuff. Yeah. And there was good highlights and elements Cody there. Cody and Brock was good. Cody and Brock. Cody and Brock very what, surprising what match. Yeah. Though, what happens to, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but the crowd gets fucking tired, man. Oh, you know? dude. Can you imagine? I, I, I relate it to this. If you take me to the movies, okay, outside of my house where I can't push pause and yeah. you know that. I can't go to the refrigerator for free. Take a piss. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you got me for two hours, man. And that's just where I feel. I know that that's out of the realm of possibilities now. But right. a two-hour show, man, that's enough. To get me to like an Avengers or one of those ones that went you know, three hours plus or whatever, it's got to really be fucking good for me to – I mean, my attention will stay with it, but for me to just be super excited and not going, damn, how much longer are they going? Looking at you the know? watch, yeah. yeah. Like, I hope this is close to the end because I'm ready to roll. You know? and, and the same thing with wrestling. I think people get tired out there, especially because it's crowd participation uh, – not, you know, in the movies, not so much uh, cheering and stuff. Sometimes that happens, but in a wrestling event, people are, are you know, who are, <laughs> I hate to say it this way, but people who don't exercise regularly are out there jumping around, ouch, uh, jumping around and, you know, hooting and hollering, and that can be tiring. Some of yeah. my. Some of the times when I was blowed up the most was uh, during the heat. James getting beat up, and I'm trying to get the crowd going. I'm cheerleading. I'm tired as hell by the time I get the hot tag. Man, can I tell you something real quick? So, last, I'm going to put you over real quick, and, and, and I get you. I'm with you. You know, I'm, I was thinking about, as you were talking about those longer pay-per-views and longer movies and stuff, you know, last night I was looking. So, I made a, I'm, I'm going through our old shows, and I was taking some of the old clips, and I made a Ricky Morton real and you know he says you know have you been in a dressing room recently <laughs> i had to go piss and i had to duck three clotheslines <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know that kind of thing yeah. and so i'm going through and i'm like okay i know for a f- and i want a clip i want just an image of him ducking a clothesline okay uh-huh. and i said i know where i can find one but uh-huh. i want ricky doing it instead of somebody else doing it uh-huh. so i go through almost every midnight express match with the rock and roll and I realize that they don't do that. Like, I don't think Bobby Eaton ever threw a clothesline. Maybe he did, but he never really did. He would hit him with a punch or or he would kind of stop the back and forth more. Yeah. And you know, and and they then they would work to the corner and then Punky would tag in Hoot or Hoot would tag in Punky. They would do a little double spot. I mean, dude, it was crazy. So I said, I know where their one is. So I go to the Louisville match, the legendary Louisville match with PG thirteen and Rock and Roll Express. 
So, and uh, this is what led me to this story because it's uh, a little long opening, but I'm putting you over, so you'll love it, yeah. dude. That match again is should be in in a damn museum, man. That uh, match is so good that the working together of it really was like a passing the torch moment, and unfortunately, that is not recognized enough. That match. Know. Dude is so good. I'm just putting it out there. I know the Memphis match was great, but that yeah. Louisville match, dude, come on now. Yeah, so it was, it was really good. But Very- what y'all did is that it was the beauty of the double team where they were working the heel role. And, you know, Punky's got Jamie locked up and then he rolls over to Robert mm-hmm. and then he tags in Robert and Robert and him do the double clothesline. Jamie ducks. It comes back around. Mm. Oh man, beautiful stuff. And then, so I found you and it. So he says, I'm, I'm hip tossing. You threw two hip tosses. Then you did two arm drags. It was gorgeous, man. I love it. And I, I've got to tell y'all, it, it it was easy for me to find it after I did it. It just wasn't Ricky doing the clothesline. It was Jamie <laughs> and you doing the hip toss. But is that your deal? Would would you normally do two hip tosses, two arm drags? Is that kind of what you would do? No, no I wouldn't say that. Uh, it just happened to be because uh, that was not that was probably just on the fly or whatever. So okay, yeah. okay, probably yeah. the, it, them just telling me to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, it was great, man. And and I just, you know, I know we're talking about that, but it just made me think of the Louisville show, the Louisville, whatever that show was called. I can't remember. Night but to remember. Night to Remember. That was so compact. It was like a good two-hour, like, yeah. perfect, man. It was so good. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, you went all the way around there to get back to there. Of, yeah, yeah. The, the point yeah. is, a two-hour show has always been, you know, what I was taught. You know, after two hours, they're done, guys. You know, let's keep it under two hours. And I believe that. I've seen it too much, man, where I have been on long shows. And, like, the indie shows that go that long, holy shit, man. you got to think. I was talking about a, you know, a major motion picture that's three hours or something. And these are professionals, you know. (laughs) In an indie show, you're going to have to be really fucking good to keep me interested for three and a half hours when I've probably seen the same shit for three and a half hours. Yeah, dude. And think about it. (laughs) You get the fans going, you know, like, this is awesome. And then it's like, I am sleepy, you know. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I I don't know how the crowd does it these days. And, I, you know, not knocking the crowds of old, not knocking the crowds of new. I just don't know how they keep up their energy the whole show, man. You know, they're all monster high and (laughs) beer drunk and yeah. Anyway. And while we're while we're on the topic of tag teams and doing stuff uh, in the ring, our subject today is our top ten. Uh, we hadn't done a top ten in a while, obviously, so we thought we'd throw one of those out there. And not to mention, I didn't feel like chasing nobody down this week for an interview. So yeah. we're do the top ten tag team finishers of yeah. all time, according to myself and Jimmy across the street. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Love it. I think that's the perfect segue. So <laughs> let's let's hit it. All right. Be right back after these messages. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. 
Hey folks, to get your official Live It In Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live It In Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. All right, folks, we are back and we are ready to do our top 10 tag team finishers of all time in the minds of myself and Jimmy across the street. I have a feeling there's going to be some doubles on here, but whatever. Uh, I, I don't think they'll match up number wise, and and I want to take time to 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 give my thoughts on this. I promise you. Let me look at this real quick. There is no one, uh, no move in here. They might be being used currently. But I'm saying done by the originators or anything like that because I don't. I just I don't know all the tag team moves that everybody's doing now. I don't sure. Know. Amen. Yeah. So. And here's what I'm not a fan of, okay? I don't like, like, some teams, and I'm just throw this out there because they're not on my list, would be the Hardy Boys. They're not on my list with the finish, okay? Yeah, right. They would be on my list in tag teams, but they wouldn't be on my list with the finish because I'm not a fan, not to say that it doesn't work, but just just personal opinion, is I don't like it when one tag team, he does – his move, then the other guy does his move. See, yeah, two single like, finishers. Yeah, like yeah. The, you know the the teamwork type finish. So that's Amen. my thing on this. I'm uh, with you. I'm with you 100. percent Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know if, if somebody you know we like to hear what you guys think. So if you send one in, you know, you don't think that way, then that's fine. But this that's my reasoning on a lot of these. And uh, another one would be. Uh, like how how over the team would be obviously, uh, and then like was that move kicked out of a lot ever? You know those type things. You know, well, yeah, the, totally. The openness yeah. of the move, you know. So uh, yeah, definitely. Maybe thinking too deep here, but no, no, there's not. Yeah, deep enough. I like it because go ahead and give you my number ten. Yeah, I don't know what they called it, but they did one of the two things, and the reason it's so low, but it, it, it's uh, the Steiner brothers and the the uh, electric chair bulldog or bull or DDT. They did both. Steiner riser, yeah, yeah, and, and they both looked awesome. But the reason on that is because you ain't doing that to everybody, especially in those days, right? Uh, so you're finished, even as like a singles wrestler. I always try to think of this. You know, given the size that I might have been at at the time or whenever, I'm thinking of a move that for a finish. Can I do this to everybody, big yeah. or small? You know, and then and then also, like I said back then, there's some of the veterans that wouldn't take that shit. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yes, it it was a time of job guys and all that kind of stuff, and yeah, you could do all that to them. But then when it got to be your main event matches or build up matches or whatever, you'd never get to use that move because yeah. you weren't right. trying to take care of your, 
your your stars and shit. And that, right. that was definitely a move that kind of could go way wrong real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and and it started out, I think, and, and we can talk about this a little bit later too, but <laughs> if that tells you anything. But anyway, I, I love the move. You know, Rick did the bulldog or Scott did the DDT. It just depended on, you know, who put who on their shoulders. But yeah, great move. Steinerizer is what it's called. Some people call it the Steiner drop, but yeah. Yeah, very cool move because so many guys, you know, they were they, they took it a little bit further and it seemed like they put a little more thought process into it, you know. So, I liked it. All right. Well, are you ready for my number 10? Ready. All right. My number 10 is actually man, I love this move and I'm I was hard pressed to put it at number 10 because it kind of hurts me now that I think about it. But this tag team were so underrated and I think this tag team kind of came a little bit later. It had one guy that I absolutely loved and one guy that was kind of like, you know, meh about, but honestly he worked in this tag team. So it was Power and Glory, Hercules, mm. Paul Roma, and it was called the Powerplex. Are yep. you familiar with this? Yeah, Superplex yeah. followed Super- by Splash. Splash. Dude, again, it's the beauty of both. Shows Hercules doing the Superplex. Then you had Paul Roma doing the Splash. It was a tandem move. It was original. I'd never seen it before that. And maybe, it, I'm sure it's been done. But yeah. but uh, anyway, I love Power and Glory, too. You know, Power... Yeah. It, they were two jacked up dudes. Paul Roma was kind of, you know, I thought of him a little bit more as like a, you know, it, they were a good solid mid card tag team, you know? Yeah. 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 And I was a huge fan of Hercules. We've talked about that, but yeah. Oh that, yeah. That, they did. What made it so good is placement was there. Enabled, it, it enabled them to do it in a bang, bang situation. It wasn't bang, bang, suplex, boom. Then he milks and then boom. You know what I mean? Right. Bang. Had it not been bang, bang. I'm not saying it wouldn't have worked, but it would have gone against what I just said earlier of I'll do this move. Then you do that move. And and they were able to combine two moves so quickly that you kind of didn't or I don't think of it that way. Right. Right. Yeah. But do you think this is a similar one to the Steiner gimmick to where not everybody's going to do this one? I mean, some guys probably won't take the superplex, but by that time, superplex, uh, I mean, Obviously, the splash wouldn't be anything unheard of. Sure, but yeah. superplex. I mean, I don't. I don't think that's. And he wasn't. It wasn't a top rope superplex. It was a second. Yeah, Brett's rope superplex. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, yep. yeah. all right. What's your number nine, homie? All right, number nine. And we know I never do this, but by golly, I'm doing it today. I'm gonna put PG-13 and the Tilt a Whirl finisher in here. And the reason I'm putting myself in there is because. I, up up until I came up with that move, I never seen anybody else do it. And I really haven't seen anybody, one person, uh, and I think we talked about it. I can't remember who the guy was, but showed me that him and his partner did it. And uh, I think they were AEW guys or whatever. And he told me they were going to use it again or something. And I thought that was cool. But I'm putting that move in there. It's original. It's also, and here's another one of my things. We didn't, because of the booking style of Memphis, you don't really get to hit a tag team finisher as a babyface. Yeah, um, you're you you can't kill your heels when you got to come back next week and beat. You can't just be putting finishers on people. We, sure. we you know, especially because the hubcap was more uh, of our deal anyway, so that got more attention than what a tag team finish would be. So we didn't really get to use it 
in great situations, you know, but uh, we did get to put it on TV a few times. And uh, it's a move that can come out of nowhere. And that's another factor on some of these, man. You know, just like a singles finisher, uh, a move, those moves that can come out of anywhere from anything, you know, uh, the, the, yeah. that shock factor. Oh, shit. That just happened. I didn't see that coming. Right. Yeah. And if I think about it now, there's so many places we could have just worked things into where it would have been out of nowhere, you know, but that's hindsight. <laughs> Dude, love the move. I'm not going to talk about it right now because I'm going to need to in a minute, but let's just say, yeah, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of this move and I put this move to everybody, but I will say this as athletic as these dudes are today, somebody needs to steal this move. And I know you said the tag team, AEW, whatever, but you know, I'm thinking somebody needs to steal this move, this move. I don't know if it's just not knowing about it or not caring or not wanting to listen to anybody. And I guarantee you, man, some of these dudes, the the, the way they can uh, flip and maneuver and shit, oh, they bro. could probably do it better than us. <laughs> oh, bro, think about it, man. I mean, dude. They could double spin that bitch. And then the- oh, <laughs> probably, yeah. Can you imagine somebody like you doing that to Ricochet? He would yeah. still be, he'd still be in the air doing it, yeah. right? You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, great move, 100%, 1,000%. Love the move. We'll talk about it in a minute. So, <laughs> <laughs> My number nine is this was just a classic move. Now, this team, I love this team, but they were never my favorites. And, and you'll know why once I say their name. So it's the Demolition Decapitator. Mm. And there were several different ways they did it. My favorite way, however, was this way. So sometimes it depended on placement. But obviously, you know... Smash would have them, or Darso would have them in the backbreaker, and he would place them in the backbreaker. Then, you know, Axe would, or Bill Eady would jump off the second rope, usually, I think, yeah, and yeah. drop the elbow on their neck. So it was like a backbreaker, then a double backbreaker, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And, but the way that I loved it the most, and they rarely did it this way, but sometimes you could see them do it. It depended on maybe how Smash had him placed. But mm-hmm. if Axe didn't feel like he could get it properly on the mm-hmm. way, he would walk the middle rope a little bit and then mm-hmm. step out and drop it. Yeah. And bro, if they would have just done it that way the whole time, I think it would have been even better. It's mm. just It shows you the small athleticism that it takes to, I don't care who you are. How much do you think Axe or Smash weighed? I mean, 300 and some easy, right? Uh, I'd say they were, yeah, they were around 300, I would imagine. Pure muscle, badass dudes. And again, demolition. Rip-offs of the Road Warriors, never my favorite. But when it came down to it, that demolition decapitator was a great move and a great finisher because, again, those guys can put it on almost anyone, you know. Yeah, sure. That's not a a move that for those big guys would be hard just as long as Barry can get him across his knee there. Uh, But, yeah, awesome move. Um, I I think highly of it, even though, you know, I'm the same thing about the Road Warrior ripoff, but I still respect both of those guys uh, for doing their fucking jobs, man. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I love that move. And I'll never forget, we in ninth grade, I had a weightlifting class for my first period class, seven in the morning. And while we were waiting for the bell to ring or whatever, you know, of course, there was wrestling mats rolled up and stuff like that in there. 
and me and this dude uh, named Marvin. I can't remember Marvin's last name. What up, Marvin? How you doing? <laughs> Marvin, man, loved wrestling. And there's and, and this is hey, this is in the you know late eighties. I am sorry for uh, bullying. I'm sorry, but things like that happened back then. <laughs> Wasn't thought differently of. Yeah. And it's not like we were trying to maim anybody, but we there, we would grab certain kids and <laughs> I yeah. put them over my knee, and here come Marvin <laughs> with the elbow. He, yeah. he would jump off. I mean, he'd get a running start, and you know about how high I rolled up wrestling mat looks. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he would jump off that, and I mean, launched. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't pull it, man. He came down and woo. He'd slip him off my knee. <laughs> yeah. Good times. That's that's something. You but do, that's what made that brother. move so good. Yeah. I thought. Uh, yeah. Here's here's the thing. You could put somebody over your knee like that. You go the top rope. I mean, you see kind of variations of this move anyway. Sure. Uh, you you might see a. Uh, a light knee drop or even a forearm across the chest or something like that. Bill was laying in that elbow. Absolutely. I mean, he was coming across your chest and boom, you flipped over. So it made it look vicious. It and I'm sure, I'm sure it's pretty snug. Yeah. Very snug. And can you imagine that big bastard dropping an elbow <laughs> down on you? God? Yeah. You're going to feel that tomorrow, but yeah, great move. Great. You know, great tag team. I love Darso and Edie. You know, they're both awesome. I, I mean, I think the world of Bill Edie, mass superstar, but man, you know, they unfortunately got that road warrior gimmick, you know? So yeah. what are you going to do? But, yeah. and what's funny is like, it, you know, the road warriors were that we're going to go off here for just a second. The road <laughs> warriors were the road warriors. Obviously they took the name from the movie, but they never really looked like the movie. Now, of course they had elements of shoulder pads and paint and stuff, but yeah. demolition actually walked out with the masks looking like they were straight from Lord humongous <laughs> dag on yeah. road yeah. warrior movie, but they weren't the road. You know, it was like to say that that was not elemental of the road warriors. Y'all are all. Off your rocker if somebody ever said really? that I, I Listen, don't know those masks they had with the spikes on them you know yeah yeah imagine if 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 the road warriors could have thought of that beforehand you got the, those and those spike shoulder pads that look oh like bro that would be killer yeah <laughs> so yeah. on to the next one what am i at number eight we're at number eight yeah number eight this one can come out of nowhere i've taken it um and it's snug and it's none other than the eliminators and total elimination oh my god i love this move and i'm so this is the one that i'm like man i don't know where i could put it but the, i do not have this on my list uh -huh. but man that move is so beautiful and it honestly i kick myself for not having it on there because I, I unfortunately just don't have a spot for it, but it's definitely my honorable mention. And honestly, I'm an idiot for saying that, but because <laughs> you're going to hear some of these, you're going to be like, Jimmy, there's nothing, but yeah, dude, that, and you know, the, I think the, the road warrior knockoff team that the Ascension, the Ascension, and they called it the fall of man, I think. Oh, they did the, yeah. the eliminator move, but man, there's nobody that did it better than Cronus. Well, the hardest part about that move, you know, for them to make that move look as good as it did, the timing. Timing had to be perfect. I mean, it, and that's what I'm saying, perfect. I mean, maybe not 100% perfect, but yeah, pretty much because that that foot's got it, it can just look ugly or even hurt the dude 
if say that the bottom guy clips that leg out, you know, it can be, yeah. people get rolled on NFL. You could be a situation like that, you know, just roll an ankle or something because you're getting tripped and maybe the foot's at the top's already there or not there. Or, you know, it could, yeah. it could go funky, but they had it down good enough to where you're trusting. Okay. He's going to sweep my leg for a shoot. And then here, this boot comes around my head, neck area, whatever. Here it comes. Let's go. Yeah. Hope they, hope they hit it right. You know? And I hope you can tuck your chin, bro. Cause you're not going to get much of a chance. Oh, I mean, no, the way, the way on that, when that, the way that foot's coming around, I ain't tucking my chin because if something's off, he's going to catch me in my chin. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Gotcha. I'm okay. turning my head to my right. Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. So yeah, yeah that'll, I'm just saying that I'm sure they laid a concussion on a few guys for sure. You know, especially not knowing to turn your head or because or, I, I, to me, that was the trickiest part. And please, y'all do not think that I am a trained pro wrestler. I was trained to do two things. I was trained to take a bump and take a punch and or sell a punch. Let's just say that. So yeah. I don't know anything past that. But when I would take a bump, the biggest trick for me was tucking. And I, right. I that was rough at first, man. And honestly, it, I was learning it at first in my apartment. <laughs> because I didn't have access to a ring as quickly as I needed. But anyway, it was ugly. And 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 then I got in a ring with it and Steve O actually helped me out there and you know some other guys. But anyway, yeah, yeah man. That that's so so to know I know it comes second nature to someone like you or someone that's taken a million bumps. That's yeah. not the issue. But for somebody learning that fresh, the tucking of the chin is so important. But when you come into something like a eliminator and a Again, I'm really kicking myself for not having this on my list, <laughs> but because I, I just I've watched so many tag team moves in the past few days. So anyway, man, I, I can imagine some guys definitely had some concussions with that move. So quite possibly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on to number eight. Speaking of concussions, <laughs> now this one people are gonna. This is the crap your pants listeners crap in their pants move right here. So I am putting this at number eight because one. I respect this tag team and for what they've accomplished. But to be honest, other than a few matches, they were never really my favorite. But when it comes down to it, I cannot deny their talents and abilities, especially the match they had with y'all at Hardcore Heaven 97. But this one is the Dudley's 3D. Now, they moved it into a table move, yeah. but I do believe they didn't always use the table, which would no. you know, be some sort of disqualification, I would say, in this, in a lot of cases. But the yeah. Dudley's 3D, you know, where it's like a flapjack into a cutter, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. And so, honestly, bro, that it's a beautiful move. And they had another thing that was to do with their timing, you know. And, yeah. and again, the surprise factor, that could come out of yeah. nowhere. It could. I've seen yeah. them do that a thousand times where just all of a sudden there it is. Did you take one? Yes, I did. Yeah. Jackie it's a really cool move. He's on, he's always on me. Wolfie, do you finish on Wolfie? <laughs> but you know, honestly, I'm sure that's a better way to take a cutter than like DDP's way. Cause I do, DDP's way sometimes looked awkward, you know, like, yeah, almost mean, like you could break your neck or something, you know, I guess I, that's the point. Cause if when, cause Devon's kind of got control of your body, right? Then Bubba's, you know, and you're just kind of going through the air. Then Bubba's taking control of your head. So the trick there is, both of them really need to, you know, to hit about the same time in order for you not to get all bent, quirky, jerky. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. Like Bubba hits first and you're still being held on to Devon. So it, it could be kind of a, you're, you're kind of weird bump there, which could hurt your lower back really. But that's, yeah, they, they were fine. I, I took it on that and it was good. So Man, I, I almost got to say this and the plastic sheet, my brother is going to lose his pants on this, but I almost feel like in my personal opinion that Randy Orton perfected the diamond cutter because DDP's was not necessarily always perfect. But again, Randy's isn't always perfect either, but I but feel like, it, let, let me say this, let me say yeah. this on moves like that. Okay. Uh, as we were, as I was making my list and checking it twice, I was thinking of this too, man, dude, there's moves that you, you going to pick for your finish. I'll tell you one, for instance, and I, I love Jeff Jarrett. I hate the stroke. And let me tell you why. Yeah, me it's too. not because of him. Mm-hmm. It's because that move is only going to look as good as the dudes you're giving it to. Yeah. Cause it's a, it's a face bump and some people take them like shit. Some mm-hmm. people take them great. But same thing with the, the RKO and the diamond cutter are only going to look as good as the guys that are taking it. Because right. you could really fuck that up for them. I mean, yeah. or you could really make it look good for them. So right. Right. I, those those kinds of moves, uh, it's, it's funny. Yeah, I agree. And that's that's tricky when you have to have that much trust and sometimes a job guy that isn't always right. up to the same level as you, especially as what you've said about some of the Memphis job guys. But Yeah. And, yeah. and to go off track here for just a second and talk about, I don't know if you watched the Mario Gennetti episode of uh, Dark Side of the Ring, but the guy that ended up suing him on that, that was the- Marty's fault. No. That yeah. was Marty's fault. Right. And I don't, you know, I don't know what was said, how much they went over it beforehand or whatever, uh, but that guy clearly didn't know how to take that bump. Right. Uh, and, and I guess it's, who's ever word against who's as to whether they talked about it and you know, whatever. But yeah. So that's another instance of hell. The move even looks better when it didn't. I mean, yeah, you you were like, fuck that hurt. But I mean, the, the, the move looks better for somebody that can take it flat and bounce and, and all that stuff. Well, you know, you think about it this way too, you know, Marty gets in trouble for that. And I agree the guys at fault on that, but of course, whatever, it sucks that the guy got paralyzed. There's always that element of it. It, you know, things. I don't, you know, it just is one of those unfortunate things in wrestling. It is, man. But you know, the they called it the rocker dropper. And then think about this. Then Billy Gunn brings it back yeah. into the WWF. Can you imagine the conversation that happened when he said, "Hey, man, I want to start doing that rocker dropper." Again? Yeah. Yeah, that is. We uh, just paid $26 million. Are you kidding me? Can yeah. you imagine like how much trust they gave Billy Gunn yeah. to let, I mean, seriously. He's, he's a lot bigger than Marty too. So it's he like, is. The element of hurt could be more, you know? Yeah. yeah. I agree, man. Yeah. Anyway, no question. And, and that Marty show, man, you know, that's that was a brutal one, man, because, you know, I, I do believe Marty's got some for sure CTE going on there, whether it's self done or whatever. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. All right. So we're at number seven. Is that right? Yeah. Speaking of Billy Gunn, my number seven is and I don't know what they called it, but the smoking guns finish. Uh, where uh, a little bit in the, in the likes of uh, demolition, but you know, shoots you off, picks me up in the uh, the uh, side sidewalk slam. Billy's up mm-hmm. top at the same time, drop the leg and finish with the with the side slam. Yeah, hell of a move. Pretty fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that's two big boys right there. But yeah. it, 
it looks great, and I can't say that they killed me. So right, right, that's good. You're still here, yeah. but yeah, you, you know the, that's true. They're big guys. You're probably what four feet off the ground when he's holding you up there, at least five feet, because they're so tall. And then you're dropped. Yeah, and again, that's another timing thing. You know, and maybe that's just the whole show is really the underlying element of all these lists it's timing on this and that's the magic to me of tag team wrestling is two guys working in unison against two other guys and when they all four are in unison that is what i call the magic of pro wrestling i do believe this is an art and i believe that it's a beautiful art when done correctly you know so Yeah, I love that move. I agree. It is not on my list, but it definitely deserves a spot on anyone's list. Very underrated move. The Smoking Guns, that was a great move. Very good move. Very good match with y'all, too. So So my number seven is your number 10, I believe, Mm. in the Steiner Brothers Steinerizer. Now, my preferred way of doing it was the earlier days. You know, I think you did a great bulldog. One of my favorite moves that you did was your bulldog. I loved your bulldog. I thought it was a good one. And did you just notice I went into like a Trump thing? Like I started, I love your bulldog. (laughs) You know, Wolfie does a great bulldog. I love your bulldog. Anyway, long story short, I liked it when Rick did the bulldog off the top and then, you know, Scott's got him on the shoulders. They would switch it up to do the Steiner drop, Steinerizer with the DDT, whatever. But I like a bulldog more than a DDT. I think really my two favorite DDTs are Jake and Arn Anderson. But when it comes down to it, you know, Raven did a good one too. But when it comes down to it, a bulldog, man, like you're thinking like Barry Windham or AKA Wolfie D or somebody else, you know, but a really good, beautiful bulldog to me is awesome. And and that's why I like the Steiner brothers Steinerizer. That's, that's pretty much yeah. that. I mean, we've kind of covered it already, but yeah, coming down to it at that point, let me say this, you know, it was funny because back then it was almost considered that Rick was the strong man on the team and right. Scott was the high flyer yeah. and it kind of reversed, you know, mm-hmm. where, you know, that yeah. happened. But anyway, you know, Scott was always jacked to the gills, but yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. We're at number six, Wolfie D. All right. So my number six, you probably hate this because it's so far down the list, but uh, the Midnight Express rocket launcher. Oh, man. Yeah. It just looked great the way Bobby did it, Bam. I mean, it's not even that much of a... I mean, Stan really don't do nothing. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Everybody knows it. <laughs> how, they, how they came up with the names for it. And, you know, to my knowledge, one of the first teams that have such a repertoire of unique tag team moves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I said this earlier. I went through a ton of Midnight Express moves, and I went... And and I saw, you know, looking for pictures for that reel with Ricky Morton. And I'll be honest, bro, I can't lie. I used to almost, I almost felt like Stan and Bobby were the better one. I think they just looked better. I think Dennis and Bobby were the better tag team. Now that I feel that way, because I almost feel like, and God forbid me for saying this, but it was like. 75% Bobby, 25% Stan, man. I almost feel like, and God, what's that? The move or the team? The team. I feel like, 
I almost feel like Stan was a little lazy and stuff. And God forbid me, strike me dead for saying it. But I just, I don't know that I ever saw anything as much from Stan as I did from Bobby. I just feel like Bobby, and hey, dude, to be a tag team member with Bobby, whether you're Arvel Hutto or whether you're Dennis Condry or George Goulas or whoever, you're already one up because you have one of the best that ever did it, you know? And, it, you know, we've said this a million times. If Bobby could talk, Bobby would have been one of the greatest ever. But, man, I almost have learned something in watching some of those matches just back to back to back. I almost feel like it's true. It, that move didn't need Stan. It was just, you know, yeah. like to see him do it like he's throwing Bobby. It was all, you know, image. Smoke mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. That's what it's called. Yeah. It was all smoke and mirrors. And I do have it higher. Not going to lie. Love the move. I think it looks great. But when it comes down to it and the way that you just said it, I agree. It is It is mostly Bobby on that one. So, yeah. 100%. Yeah. All right. Well, my number six, and I'm proud to say it. I know you put it a little lower on your list, but I'm proud to put this one right here. This is honestly probably my most recent favorite tag team finisher in another 10 years. It might be up in the top five. And maybe I put it in at number six because I don't want listeners to be like, God, Jimmy's such a suck up. But <laughs> the PG-13 tilt a whirl splash, again, such a piece of art man oh, i appreciate it and, and i just i mean jamie's even said it man i liked coming up with original stuff and, and, and like I, we just said also midnight express had so many different moves man and i used to try to think of that and trying to do that in memphis when you're coming up well it wasn't real easy to get people to you know go along with some of these ideas that i had as far as moves sure yeah made, whatever you know because you just didn't really see that much then um yeah. And yeah. you know, just like the the, I love the Russian leg sweep drop kick. Uh, right, right. I like the uh, the double gut shot, double bulldog. I like you know quite yeah. a few we did. But yeah, man, I, I love the tilt a whirl. And I wish I would have kind of known at the time, like we should be getting this move over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. We never really tried to get it over. We just did it every once in a while, you know, to enough to where people would, you know, oh, that's kind of their finish, but really the hubcaps their finish. <laughs> right. Right. But you know, you think about it this way and you, you actually, I'm talking about all these light bulbs going off today and it's been a, a real revelatory period for me with watching wrestling. But when it comes down to it, you make a lot of sense because you're not able to do this move as a finisher to finish off because a lot of the finishes in Memphis or USWA were not ultimate finishes. They were either one way or the other, but it was never like an ultimate thing because you had to work these guys the next night or the next week that you're in this town. Right. And you had to keep the other guys strong to keep them coming back, to keep the crowd coming back. So to put a finisher on somebody, that's usually moved as a finisher. Now, so what does that mean? You're getting to do that every how long does a normal? How long did a normal angle last for Memphis? Oh gosh, they could go for months. <laughs> they could go on. So you're getting that move what every three months or so? Yeah, you know, I, I think in Memphis just just every now and then, and maybe do some job guys or something. <laughs> and I think the trick would have been is y'all doing it on TV too. You know, doing it yeah. as I don't a, know how a, we did or if we didn't, I can't remember. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I love the move. Somebody out there, please do this move. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, there's teams coming up in AEW right now that could probably do it so good. They would flip the guy up a mile in the sky and come down with such force. It would just be a beautiful move. But, I, you know, somebody do this. There's somebody out there that will get this over and also get themselves over in the turn and do a little <laughs> – Call it the PG-13 splash if you want to. Who cares? But, you know, and, and, and that's maybe one thing is y'all could have thought of a name for it, you know, other than the yeah. Tilt-A-Whirl splash. You know, what what could you have called it? Man, I don't know. That's kind of putting me on the spot right there. No, that's what we're doing here on this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the spinning we hubcap. Did, we had the, other, we had the other finisher when we first started where I'd pick him up in a bear hug. Facing away from the turnbuckle, Jamie go from turnbuckle, hit him in the back of the head with the hubcap, and I'd follow it down with a flapjack. Yeah, and that's a good move. Called the hip hop drop before uh, the two live crew did it. (laughs) (laughs) Two live cool. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Anyway, well, that is number six for me. I know we've talked about it a lot, but I say this let's take a break. You want to come back? We'll, We'll come back. All right, we'll come back to finish out the top five of the top 10 tag team finishers. We'll be right back. Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope-ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South, and I released what might have been one of the original sets of empty trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13, rookie card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at Steve Bowtie Bryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. Hey folks, this is Wolfie D here. And if you are looking to buy or sell a home in Tennessee or Southern Kentucky, you're gonna wanna call my buddy, the rock star realtor, Benji Bowie. And you say, Wolfie, how do I get in touch with this rock star? Well, you can call him directly at 615-390-8216. You can go to his website, BowieHomes.com. That's B-U-I-E Homes.com. Or you can email him at BenBowie34 at gmail.com. When you need a home, you need the Rockstar Realtor. Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back with more from Live and in Color with Wolfie D, and we've got more of the top 10 tag team finishers. And Wolfie D, if you're okay with this, I'm going to start this one, okay? You started out, buddy. You won the coin toss. You deferred. (laughs) Do it. I got it. Okay. Number five with a bullet. In my personal opinion, I love this move. Again, it's one of those moves that requires great timing. And honestly, one guy's doing the hard work and the other guys get, you know, it just looks good. It's the Brain Busters Spike Pile Driver. Uh-huh. You have Arn with the, the Pile Driver and yeah. just adding that element of having, you know, Tully jump off the ropes and grab the bottom of the feet and drive them into the mat. I just a beautiful element of it, and I really enjoyed this one. Well, what is good there, once again, that T-word timing, because I have seen some really good workers try to pull off a spike pile driver, and it look really fucking bad, and it's all because of timing. And you've seen it where you don't know what, you know, it's because they were a tag team, they could do it so good, and, you know, obviously yeah. a few times together, but you've seen so many where people just try it out there or whatever, you know. Yeah. It, and the timing is just bad. They, they might jump up in the air from the mat and try to push them down while the other guy's doing it. It's really bad, really bad. Right. And I imagine a pile driver is not for the timid, man. Put a- I ain't never really been worried about that, just a regular pile driver. I know how to take care of myself on that yeah. to a certain extent. But, yeah, I, I just don't. That 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 moves good. I, I love. I mean, because that's like an old school. I guarantee that's why they used it. Because it's like an old school heel. Let's put these fuckers out of action type of move. You know, right, right. They spike ball dropped him for fuck's sake. But when, <laughs> when they did it, you know, with the time period when they're doing it in the WWE, because they didn't use it anywhere but there, did they? No, I don't remember it anywhere else. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it just didn't have, I think, the impact that. You know, of it being a was not on my list because it, it didn't have the impact of being this. Fuck! Have you seen the Brainbusters tag team finisher? I, yeah. I, I don't feel that way about it. Even though two of the greatest in there, uh, and I get that's why I said I, I get what they're doing, and yeah. I just feel like the time period didn't appreciate a spike pile driver that much. Right. It wasn't old. It's a throwback. You know, there's guys right now that filled their pants with crap that the Eliminators move is not on my list, but the Spike Pile Driver is. But when it comes down to it, I thought they did it perfectly. Just the way that they would do it, a lot of times it felt like it was almost, you know, and the beauty of it is I always liked that they tried to make sure it was behind the ref's back because technically Tully wasn't supposed to be in the ring. Yeah. You know, this, this kind of thing and that kind of thing. But you're right. It's a throwback move. Think about it. It's Arn and Tully. They're throwback guys, yeah. you know. So, and yeah. they were the ultimate, they were the heels of the heels, you know. So, I wasn't a fan of, uh, because I was still a fan, I wasn't a fan of their WWF stuff, you know. I think I've told you that. Me and my friend, we just, when some of the guys would go from Turner to Vince, yeah. they, yeah. 
we were like, oh my God, he sold his soul to the devil. You know? I know. <laughs> we thought know. back then. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. We, we did know, think we that. Called it, we called it going to the circus as well. Oh, okay. Well, that actually makes sense. But, you know, it was selling the soul. But think about it this way, too. And you probably understand how they felt. These guys also never totally looked like they fit in there because they were kind of in the land of the giants. And I understand that you probably know that as well as anybody. You you and Jamie get up there and PG-13's in the land of the giants. And had they been five years later, they would have been perfect. But, uh, you know, you all had been a year later, you would have been perfect. But You know, I mean, the FTR is considered one of the greatest tag teams ever now, and they are basically Arn and Tully doing Midnight Express moves. It's 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 kind of a deal. But anyway, long story short, Spike Piledriver, it's my number five. So. All right. I guess we're going to keep it old school because my number five, I'm not really a huge fan of the move, um, but I'm putting it in here because of longevity and yeah. the amount of people that know this move would be the double drop kick from Ricky and Robert. Wow. I mean, it's so simple. It doesn't, yeah. I mean, I don't think that it looks like it kills anybody, but, <laughs> but. stabbing me over and over, just <laughs> multiple stab wounds right now, but okay, keep going. But, but yeah, I mean, I had to put it in there. Like I said, longevity, the amount of people, legends hall of famers that have been on the receiving end of it you know what i'm saying i mean you got to give it up that kind of way yeah and is there i think this is probably the biggest reason you're giving it or is how many legends treated it like it was an ultimate finisher yeah. you yeah. know and is that part of it as as so like in a tag team if you all do a simple move and somebody sells it like it's over with yeah. is that almost 90% of it is who's taking it and how they put it over is uh, that uh, it i mean i don't want to say 90% but that's yeah, a big I mean, percentage of it right if they're selling your move you need to sell it as, as possible from a from a punch to a fucking superplex you know what i mean sure want the best yeah. of it yeah yeah it, but yeah, a lot of people have taken that move and for whatever reason, that's the move they chose and they were little and it could work on anybody. Mm-hmm. That one. Yeah. You know, and I even saw that on a, you know, as I was doing my research, I was watching some YouTube videos and stuff. And one guy was like, this is the worst tag team finishing move ever. And uh-huh. it's the double drop kick from the Killer Bees. Because mm-hmm. I remember that the Killer Bees, Jumping Jim Brunzel, B. Brian Blair, stole I mean, they didn't steal it. Maybe they did, but whatever. They were doing it in the WWE as or WWF as well as the Rock and Roll Express. And I remember that. And I remember hating them because because <laughs> they were, you know, I was like, these guys stole. I mean, I, I in a sense, I always felt like a lot of the WWF guys were stealing stuff from my Turner guys. Like you're talking about them going to the circus. Well, in a, another idea is like, I feel like, you know, they were kind of stealing that move from the Rock and Roll, whatever. It's a double drop kick. But anyway. Yeah, the double drop kick. It's y'all will hear me talk about it later. But anyway, <laughs> I, I understand why it's where it is for you. It makes sense. So my number four, and I think this one is just about my favorite. Ta- I mean, it's a, it's a it's an epic tag team finisher. It's actually a legendary one because of how much they did it and how well they put it over. And honestly, one of the first teams I really remember, you know, using tag team finisher spots is the Uh heart foundation heart attack Mm. 
where you know anvil's got him in the bear hug but it's like he's laying him down what is that when they when he's got him laid out like that and then uh, now on that move i don't recall him doing that layout too much because he had to keep him up high even though brett did kind of the sit out close on yeah i don't think he really it was basically a bear hug and then a, a sit out lariat sit out lariat and then okay that makes sense i i don't know maybe that's how it ended up you know and yeah there we yeah. go down that's what i'm thinking so maybe i'm saying it wrong but that's what i remember no i think you're right but it's called the heart attack i think it's it's it, it, i mean do you remember many i mean i know there was the double drop kick going on and stuff but do you yeah. i don't remember as many tag team finishers you know no there wasn't a lot of tag team finishers <laughs> and you know i even remember watching because i'm a huge british bulldogs fan in fact they're one of my top five teams but I don't even remember them really. I remember them doing one where Davy Boy would have a guy pressed above his head, and then Dynamite would jump off the top ropes and jump on his back and then land. Like it was such a weird move. Yeah. Um, not very epic. It was like a stomp on the back and then a pin. But anyway, the Did Bulldogs. They not use, uh, the, the power slam and the headbutt? They did. They eventually did, but yeah. not at this time they didn't. And they eventually did use that. But the heart attack is one of the first that I remember that was like devastating, in my opinion, you know, versus even then I realized the double drop kick was not as devastating, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> all due respect, yeah. don't kick me out of the fan club, guys. So, <laughs> but right. yeah, heart attack, good move. Heart attack, know. yeah, good move. Go uh, Let's see here. Number four for me. Uh, <laughs> so there was no rules about how many times one team could be entered into this because we're talking about moves and not teams. Right. So Midnight Express is going back in at number four with the Vegematic. Oh, and man. That, the yeah. one where Stan would hold him in that leaned out position. I was trying not to tip my hand a minute ago uh, when you were talking about that. So I didn't want to go, no, not like Stan did it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you're right. Good point. Say vegematic, but yeah, so that was uh, him laying him out a little bit. Bobby coming, coming off the top with the leg. And uh, I mean, obviously, again, Bobby coming off the top. It's pretty much all Bobby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and also, I know this move because uh james storm and chris harris america's most wanted use that move as their finisher during uh our tna feud yeah yeah they did i remember them doing that yeah it's uh, smoking guns finished too so those leg drops off the top when you're just kind of hanging there waiting <laughs> yeah it's the looking up thing it's funny man you're you're when you're in that position and you're looking up obviously yeah. everything looks higher right and then, Person, the size of some of these guys we're talking about leaps into the air and it, it, here's what you can see sometimes because you know an athlete's concentration face in midair is a pretty intimidating face oh i'm sure you I'm know what sure. i'm saying because i mean they're totally. not they're trying to scare you or not that i would be you know because i'm sure i do the same thing but it's just in in air and you're trying to you know all your athleticism is channeled and you're uh, in your fucking adrenaline all that stuff so it's just a combination of things man and it's like boom and probably yeah. honestly hurts more than you actually feel it because of your adrenaline so right i totally agree i think the vegematic is right there because it's actually my number three the uh. midnight express vegematic but i also have the rocket launcher i didn't want to 
do both. So I put them together you in the together. same. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I do like the Vegematic better, but I, I think the Rocket Launcher, like I said, is like 75% Bobby, 25% Stan. And sometimes I feel like that was an element of their tag team career was that yeah. where yeah. Dennis and Bobby were a little more 50-50. But anyway, I probably would like lean like 60-40 on the Vegematic, but the Rocket Launcher, either, either way you look at it, poor Bobby's having to jump off the top, you know? And yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that hurt him later in his career, but you know, but that yeah. was a cool move. And again, for the time period, they were coming up with some unique stuff. Very good stuff. And I think that's part of what was missing from the Dennis and Bobby midnight yeah. was the, you know, because I remember like, didn't, didn't, Bobby do like a, I remember Ivan Koloff doing it too, to where, and I'm sure this is a hard move to do. Maybe I'm wrong, but where they would do like the knee to the back of the head and then the, they would drop off the, the ropes and put a guy into face first into the mat. I remember, did Bobby do that? I can't. I can't really, I'm not picturing what's happening there. Okay, but. so think about it. You, you guys back to the turnbuckles. You're mm-hmm. standing on the top rope or the second rope. You've got your knee planted in the back of his oh, head. Oh, Ivan Koloff did that. Yeah. yeah, Ivan Koloff did that. But I almost want to say that I've seen Bobby do it too. But He, he might have. I'm not even sure what that move was called. But I haven't seen in quite a while either. Ivan, unfortunately, was slower, so it kind of showed the move a little more than it could have been a little more devastating with a quicker pace. And maybe Ivan did it quicker earlier in his career. But, you know, the knee to the neck head plant, I don't know, whatever you want to call that. But the whole point of it is, is I think the Stan and Bobby tried to focus a little more on the tag team finishing tandem deals and the Vegematic's gorgeous. I I love it. I definitely think it's high top five. Mm -hmm. And I, in my opinion, I do have the rocket launcher on there as well because of, you know, it almost feels like, you know, would you, would you say that, that one of them could be like a false finish and then the other one could be the finisher. Did they ever do that? Am I thinking that? I, I don't know, but I think they just had they had it where they could probably beat you with either one. I think both of those moves. I think the rocket launcher was predominantly their finish, but then the vegematic was also a finishing move. Sure, uh, great move, no, and yeah. no doubt. Uh, yeah, and and that's probably my ultimate number three but the rocket launcher is is also amazing but i so i cheated i put two moves on one (laughs) but i just i didn't know the rules you know i didn't know we could put midnights twice i'm sorry man we make the rules as we go (laughs) scratch this whole thing but anyway what's your number three brother number three um and i have a feeling all this is fixing to be jumbled up together Uh, so my number three is the demolition uh Devices, is that what they called it? The Decapitator, device. but whatever. We said all we could say, to, say about it. And, and I just, again, because the move looked great, because uh, it just did, because of their size and everything, and the way the person flipped over and just looked real ragdollish. Yeah. And the fact that I used to do it to people in high school. <laughs> and the fact that I mean, it was demolition, and, you know, they're they've made themselves a, a legendary tag team in professional wrestling. Yeah. Uh, they're, yeah. They have established that. So yeah. it's beaten yeah. a lot of people. And I mean, I don't know how many times they were world champions, but anyway, yeah. they 
our number three with that move. Yeah, it's man, we had world classroom wrestling back when I was in high school, and my my finisher was the Texas Cloverleaf because <laughs> I just thought it was a cool move. But you know, those those more tag team tandems, you know, it was like we didn't really have tag teams, unfortunately. But I don't even re- I, was I like Barry Windham or some. I don't know why I was using the Texas Cloverleaf, but anyway, we we thought we were cool too, but not probably as cool as doing the demolition decapitator off of a gym mat. That was pretty impressive. But oh, yeah, anyway, great move. Nothing nothing wrong with that. I'm surprised anything demolitions as high as it is on your list, but the devastation and the nostalgia of the move is not to be dropped. I will recommend that anybody go out of their way and go look that move up. And if you see the move where Axe does a couple little walks on the middle rope and then drops it, man, chef's kiss, brother. So anyway, my number two is your number 20 (laughs) whatever i don't remember how high you had it but it was freaking disrespectful (laughs) that you had the rock and roll express double drop kick (laughs) no i get what you're saying and the the i think it was just the element of them finishing guys with it that Uh, and and of course I'm a Rock and Roll Express mark. It's never it couldn't be my number one because I feel like our number one is going to be the same. But yeah. I could be wrong. But when it comes down to it, the double drop kick similar that the decapitator so high on yours. The nostalgia of that move, their hair and their bandanas, it yeah. just added to the element. That was the other thing. As I was looking for duck a clothesline for Ricky and Robert, man, their dead leg tassels covered so much stuff up sometimes that you to get a clean image of a guy ducking a clothesline you know it it was tough but you know they just everything and then them okay and you've taken the double drop kick right yeah okay are they touching you pretty good decently decently Mm -hmm. is it both of them the same time I believe so. So that's pretty good freaking timing, right? Yeah. It's also they throw, if memory serves me correct, you can probably look at this. Uh, So I'm thinking they throw like a different, both of them throw a different type of drop kick. That's what I was going to ask you. Yes. Go ahead. Robert throws more of your one leg up, followed by the other leg, boom, drop kick. And Ricky's more of a double foot, go to your back drop kick, I think. I think Uh, you're right. Yeah. and see, here's the thing for anybody that had tried to do, because in my early years, yeah, I'm sure I did a double drop kick. So I mean, Jamie did double drop kick probably, you know, just if someone says, do this, do this, and then double drop kick us. Okay, whatever. Uh, but depending on, because like I throw one, I'm a double foot jumper and kick and try to not necessarily backflip, but a little bit of a three quarter. Yeah. So, you potentially, if I'm on the right-hand side kicking the guy, I can potentially flip over and land my shins or my feet in my partner's face or on the back of his head. Yeah, yeah, that's tricky, man. That landing zone, too. Right, that's that's I guarantee you, average person, just I I just blew everybody's mind. Oh, shit, I didn't think of that. You did. Yeah, (laughs) you did mine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and th- so that's why they chose that method, and yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it was unintentional the way that they threw the drop kick. 
um, it, with two different ways of doing it. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that was on purpose, but yeah, I, I'm yeah. really analyzing and it's been a minute since I've seen it, but I'm pretty sure I got that thought from somewhere. <laughs> right. So you're doing it that way. That makes total sense because what I was going to ask you was, is it hard to do it? So like, you know, obviously one guy is doing left leg in the air. The other guy's doing right leg in the air. Is there a modification that no, I don't the, think they were doing. I don't think you still kind of got to go up the same way. I think you're right. Yeah, you're I'm right. not saying scratch that. Two different yeah. ones. They they're coming just like each one of them's there to deliver a single drop kick. But, and they're just doing it at the same time. But you just have to make sure that you're far enough apart from your person that you're not going to hit them, land on them, all that kind of shit. So that's but all. also close enough together where it looks like it's hitting them in the face. You know. Yeah, and and yeah. And, and, and and Ricky's deal though his. He can push off and get away right there. And if Robert flips over, whatever. I mean, just you'd have to look at it and understand what I'm saying. I've looked at it a hundred times and <laughs> now I, I see it now. Yeah. Yeah, I see it now. And that makes total sense. Yeah, beautiful move. And you just totally blew my mind with that. So thank you. <laughs> no, because I mean they're they're the art to it is is something that, you know, I'm past now the fandom to where now I want to see the science and the art of yeah. it. And, and I hope that we provide uh, that might, to people. You might ask both of them, and they might tell you two separate answers. They may tell you a separate answer from mine. Them two may not think that it might have just happened. It may just happen. And, and people, you know, when it looked as good as it did, hey, that's y'all's move. So who knows how it really happened? I'm not them, but and I've never asked them. So Now, who does it different? How I teach it at the school of Morton. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> you know, who, who, hey, brother, we just did it. You know, that's yeah, <laughs> the worst two impersonations ever. So, And, and Wolfie, buddy, when we drop kick that son of a bitch fire shot out his asshole. I <laughs> yes. All right. Well, yeah. So what's your number two? 3D Dudley's. Yeah. Beautiful move. Yeah. Do you like it through the table? Yeah. Yeah. It looks I mean, good. It, I mean, that's I, their deal. It, it looks is. good either way. Yeah. It, it does look good way. either way. And, and it's another one of those ones that pretty much there's nobody that they can't do it to. Right. Uh, yeah. So, and it's and that out of nowhere factor. Yep. Yep. Out of a spot, and it, one of them—that's the thing. Like Bubba might not have been even in the ring, or it might not be in the ring right at that moment. And Devon's kind of already got him going, and then he slides in there out of nowhere. Boom. Yeah, it's the out of nowhere element of the cutter. That's beautiful. But also, wonder how many times he's cut his. What my question was about the table was, wonder how many times he's jacked his arm up, cutting it up. Landed on that, but maybe he maybe he gets it out. The way they land, I mean, the with the body, yeah, the head's not really breaking the table. Yeah, Yeah. that's always got to be safe, kids. Remember that. (laughs) (laughs) So, do we want to do this one together, or what are we going to do here? So, I think everybody already knows the answer to this. (laughs) Jerry Lawler's punch, right? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Number one with a bullet. Absolutely no question. The greatest finishing move of all time is out of rush. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to say it? That was your. That was animal with a little bit of Randy Savage. I think. Yeah. What a rush. Yeah. Oh yeah. What a rush. (laughs) Dig it, Elizabeth. (laughs) Well. Well. (laughs) That's my Hulk. Well. Yeah. But no doubt about it, man. And I sat here and I've said, you know, 
they pretty much could do it to anybody. The timing and, and that's there's really not a lot of timing to it. No. Uh, and, and I'll tell I'll be honest, but it's still my first place no matter what, is the guys in WCW that wouldn't take the flip and would only do it if Animal fell backwards with him. And I'm just like, come on, man. Right. Right. <laughs> right because you know that it, I, because I remember- it told me, it told me and it told everyone else that we can't make it look as vicious on this guy because we have to protect him. You know, right. we're not, we're going to take it easy on Ric Flair. Right. <laughs> we're going to take it easy on old Ivan here or somebody yeah. like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, that, get that, it. I get it. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a fucking crazy bomb, but I mean, I just, I just I hated far, it. Yeah, yeah. Think about how far Hawk has to get out if they do that way too. I mean, unless animal brings it up even further. Hey, it's right. They'll adjust. He ain't got, a, he don't, he didn't change his jump probably hard at all, but yeah, just the whole, it was just the thing. They go, they go up on the shoulder. And I remember as a kid, you know, thinking, are they going to, you know, is this going to be the good one or the, or the, the flat the, back? Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah, man. But it's so beautiful. And we've talked about it recently with Ahmed. Y'all go back and listen to that episode. Great response to that show. But, you know, he, he's like, I said to myself, Wolfie Bump's good. So, <laughs> and I mean, but, you know, if you look at it, because we did make a reel out of it, I think he pushed you a little more than we let on. But yeah. And I, he, when I looked at it, I was like, he pushed a little bit, but I, I know for a fact that he it's not what animal does animal animal like throws pushes it. out yeah. yeah like he pushes out to where he can flip and you really on his the own only thing ahmed did was maybe have his hands on my legs and when he felt me go over just put his arms up there yeah look like he pushed me <laughs> exactly i think that's and exactly it, what it is yeah yeah because i mean you can tell and i know if he, if if you, if I was to get on your shoulders right now, oh yeah. Lord, I'm right now, but if I get <laughs> on your shoulders and just try to, you know, fall off and and land on my stomach backwards or whatever, I probably could do that without yeah. you doing anything. You right. know what I'm saying? Sure. I, the way I landed is the way I got knocked and yeah. without pushed. Right. And do you think maybe think you about call- that setting on somebody's shoulders, you can't really push yourself. You have nothing to propel yourself with. I would be trying to launch myself via my hip thrust power, which right. is pretty fucking strong, might I might add. <laughs> my hip flexors and all that shit can't yeah. turn me into a backflip. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's the other thing too, is we always used to joke that Ahmed actually was holding you like y'all were in a chicken fight in the pool or something, you know. He's got his arms around your legs and he's holding on. But it wasn't that way. And Ahmed is certainly probably as strong as Animal was. I mean, he, you know, very strong guy, massive dude. But you're right. The element of Hawk's left arm possibly wide enough for Hawk to get through. Maybe he didn't catch you with the full inner elbow. He he caught you with the the elbow pit. You know, he may have caught you with his left. Yeah. I mean, I was was on the awkward side. That's what I mean. I mean, you had the the left arm, and I had the person that didn't uh, do that move all the time. So, (laughs) Jamie's like, I got animal. Yeah. (laughs) Bet you do. I I would not doubt that that was a thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'll take an animal. You get me. Yeah, animal got me. Your back's hurting, right, animal? Yeah, yeah you got me. I'm I'm a little lighter than Morphe, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I won't strain your knees as bad. Get me. <laughs> <laughs> Ahmed's pretty stout. He's got Wolfie. 
Yeah, but to me, you know, the selling that y'all did, and people will see this as I put the images out for the show, promoting it on social media at Live Wolfie D. If you're not already following us, and y'all selling it like, no, no, please, you're doing like the Ric Flair on his knees, like, no. No, and the selling of it, please don't do it. You're in your jacket too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, how did Jamie get out of his and you not? Yeah, I mean it doesn't really matter. I know that in the ultimate scheme of things, maybe it was chilly in there and you just needed a little extra yeah. warmth. Yeah. But it's brutal how you land so much. I mean, Jamie's is almost like you know textbook. Yeah. Yours is flip over and on your shoulder, man. And do you have pain in your left shoulder by chance? <laughs> I got pain all over. I got pain but in I, my pain. I'm in. I, I don't recall at that moment going, ah, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? It's not like it fucked me right. up. Right. So I felt it, but it was it's all in fun. It was. But did you die? And no, but I didn't. Did you, and it was your WrestleMania moment, right? Everybody doesn't ever, yeah, everybody wants that in their career. They want their WrestleMania moment, and that is one of them. And it gets replayed all the time. So, yeah. very cool, very cool. And but the main important element of that is the LOD Doomsday device. Now, I wish that I had the perspective of time and, and information, historian wise, to know when they first started doing that. I do not necessarily remember the Turner days. Yeah, then, I don't either. I remember it's almost starting in the WWF. And again, there's that guy wrecking his car, crapping his pants, saying, oh, my God, Jimmy, you moron. Anybody can do this. I don't remember the first time. So I I feel like it's a WWF thing. I don't know many bigger Road Warrior fans than Wolfie D. And you're kind of saying a lot of players together, too, man. And it was at a period where. I mean, I'm, I didn't get in the business when they got in the business, but I was getting older at that point and knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so kind of the mark in me was going a different direction. And I'm sure. more focused on um, looking at things a different way. And, you know, I, I just don't I don't have a good memory anyway, but I don't, it, ha- it had to be WCW, it seems like, because. We just talked about the Russians and Ric Flair and then That's a great it. point. Yeah. So yeah. it had to be there. It had to be. Because they wouldn't they didn't go back. Right, you're right. That's a great point. But I'm just trying to think that it seems like more of a WWF thing. But you know, you're you're kind of a tricky situation too, because around the time that I kind of stopped watching wrestling for the small amount. And and that's been one thing about my whole life is I have never given a crap about who knew that I was a wrestling fan. I really didn't care. I had girlfriends that probably thought it was the lamest thing in the world that their boyfriend wanted to watch wrestling, but I didn't care. And they were, they were pretty women too, y'all. I ain't playing around (laughs) here, but when it comes down to it, I, I can almost see like the element of time that I was kind of almost like not watching wrestling. And it was kind of in a weird, down period but there was like two or three years i remember not paying attention as much to it and then around 17 18 i really get into it hardcore again but around like 13 or so i start i'm like okay girls are cool i like girls you know (laughs) i don't want to talk wrestling with girls but then i would still try to catch it on the sly like watch smoky mountain or or w and something like that but you're actually getting in wrestling at that time. So really the time that you kind of grow out of like, like you're watching, you're like, okay, I'm kind of into girls now. I may not watch wrestling as much. You're actually starting to wrestle. So it's kind of, that's kind of an interesting situation. 
very close to that time period, but it just, I wasn't as a, like a kid mark for it anymore. Right, right. Yeah. I want the action figure, you know, I want the, the gimmicks and all that. I, I remember wearing t-shirts and stuff and people were like, oh my God, are you really wearing a wrestling t-shirt? You know, and I'm like, <laughs> yep, I am. I don't care. And, you know, being in music and, and a lot of, a lot of hipster snobs and music and stuff, I would always wear wrestling t-shirts sometimes to play shows in and people were yeah. like, who was that? Oh, that's a road warrior. I thought that was a Black Sabbath T-shirt. Never mind. Well, it it kind of is, but in a different way. But anyway, yeah, Doomsday Device number one. You know, y'all let us know what your top ten tag team finishers in the socials. You know, let us know what you all think. Obviously, you know, we've had a lot of fun with this. Also, if you all have top ten ideas. Let us know. You know, we do enjoy these. We wanted kind of an easy week. You know, for Wolfie, Wolfie's gone through a lot this week. He's had some surgery. You know, his daughter had a had an issue that, you know, he's had a lot on him this week. And, you know, the top tens are fun. And I will say this. If we are doing anything, the top tens always really perform well, too. So, you know, especially on YouTube, which we're trying to build YouTube and our top 10 shows do really well on YouTube. So for some reason, YouTube and top tens really go together. So we we've enjoyed this one. But, I, you know, do you have any honorable mentions that you can think of? <laughs> Not off the top of my head, man. I, I mean, I had to do a little research, too, because I was just thinking, you know, <laughs> what, how many moves do I know that, you know, are really over? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I think that's it. But I, I really wish I had it on 11 because I could put that Eliminator move in there because it's such a beautiful <laughs> move. But I just don't feel like I could take any of these out. I know I know you did, so I should have found a spot for it. But anyway, I think this was fun, man. Yeah. I, we got a we got so we're not finished yet though so in just a few seconds after this after these song plays by my buddy tracy bird a gathering of none blitz kid we're gonna have ask wolfie anything you ready for that brother yeah let's do it all right we'll be right back dj hit the music Right, we are back with Ask Wolfie D anything, and man, that was a fun show, right? That was a fun show oh, for sure. I always have fun doing the top ten. Yeah, man. Like I said, y'all got some ideas for us. Let us know. We'd love to hear all about your top ten thoughts, and you know, and and maybe take it a little deeper than top ten managers or top ten baby faces or something like that. We like to go a little bit past the norm on things, as you all can tell. Now, one thing I do want to go back in the past, just real quick, I want to say this that Dirty White Boy has already breached the top 10. He did so quickly and without care for anyone else. So he is climbing the charts. I will say this. I predict him to be a top five episode very soon. Same with our Chase Stevens episode. I probably receive more messages and texts about that show than Mm -hmm. any anyone we've had almost ever other than Jamie or, or Yeah, that show, everybody is saying how funny that show was. And I think we knew that at the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. 
it was one laugh after the other. Chase, I did not realize was going to take it over like like a, like <laughs> Jamie or somebody. I didn't realize Chase would come in with such you know like his stories were epic stories, man. No, even if they it was a simple question, he had good context, and I think he was ready for a two hour episode. But I, I'm good. With, you know, I'm good with that. So our very first one on the show today is Ben Martin 88 on Twitter and Ben Martin on Facebook and Ben Martin wherever else. And he always asks the good questions. Ben so Martin I'm, on the bathroom wall. Ben, ben Martin <laughs> on the bathroom wall. Yeah, that's <laughs> anyway. So here's a little setup for this. He says, OK, so he has resumed his 1996 rewatch. First episode, September of 96. Bill and Jamie come out mad about Wolfie pushing down Samantha. Bill calls Wolfie a woman beater and then brings a woman out with a police report saying Wolfie beat her up. Mm -hmm. The scene around this is ridiculous. You've got Lance utterly disgusted with Bill holding the mic, Jamie in an old pair of Bill's tights and a blue satin jacket, (laughs) Samantha walking on a cane in a neck brace, pushing Tony Falk in a wheelchair because Sid had choke slammed him. Okay, so I think that was a pretty good description of the show right there. Yeah. And he says, so his question is, is if you remember the angle, even yeah. though he was a baby face and it was a different time as far as a domestic abuse, did yeah. doing angles like that make you nervous? Uh, I don't want to say it made me nervous, but I mean, cause I knew it had been done before. And sure. Sure. I really, you know, stuff like that. Uh, no, I'm still not that sensitive. Let me get that across first. I'm yeah. still not that sensitive. We talked about the lines can be very blurry with reality and pro wrestling. Um, you know, it, it just and like he like he said in the question at that time. I mean, people just knew, you know, and that. It was part of the deal, you know? Yeah, yeah. That yeah, wasn't the first time that angle had been done. No, I mean, we talked to Dirty White Boy, Dr. Tom. They did a similar angle in Continental. And, you know, Mystic came out and can I talk to Tom and that kind of thing. And, you know, a lot of people have done that before. And, again, it's not you know original even before they did it you know with the right. you know macho man even teetered on elements of that with elizabeth and you know mm-hmm. things like that it, it's but nowadays it may be a different story right oh for sure <laughs> yeah. yeah nowadays a lot of things are different <laughs> yeah no doubt no doubt for sure <laughs> but that was fun and I, I i don't even remember who that woman was i mean i forgot where we got her from i can't remember <laughs> and if she's listening she's probably mad um she wrecked her car and crap. I think it's somebody that lived in Memphis. I can't remember who it was. I can't see her face. But anyway. Yeah. One of Bill's girls, maybe? Never mind. We won't get mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I got to rely on Ben for that stuff. He's literally watching it all in order. So pretty cool stuff. So, okay. So the next question we've got is, of everyone you worked with, this is hardcore, but who taught you the m- most in the ring? Of everyone, and I know this answer, actually. I feel like I know you're what you're going to say, but of everyone you worked with, who taught you the absolute most in the ring? Uh, Danny Davis. <laughs> yeah. That one a number of times. Yeah, that's uh, who I was going to guess. But yeah, I've I've said that a hundred times, man. And there's different people that have helped me in different ways. But this the question is pretty specific to in the ring. Uh, and I, so that makes me think of just like mechanics and and basic stuff. And not necessarily basic, I don't guess. But, you know, just, uh, 
being a being a good wrestler, technically sound, selling all that shit. Because uh, then the next step is to uh, up your game to where people want to pay to see. So. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, and okay. So after Danny, let's say maybe a few years later, was there anyone else who you were just like, okay, you know this this guy, just this the, guy people t- I, the people that I worked with helped me the most. So was, I mean, yeah, yeah, you can get some help, you know, by talking to someone, but to me, it's an hands-on job of teaching someone. Sure. Sure. And and situational and just getting the reps, not not necessarily just getting the reps, getting the reps in different places and with you know different people that can teach you, not getting reps the same place once a month with your buddies. Yeah. Now let me ask you this, because a lot of guys, you know, nowadays if they sign someone from the Indies, they run them through NXT and the Performance Center for a little while, and then they'll put them in the show to say that they've learned the WWE way of working. At the time that you all came up there, do you feel like now it probably was more in the back, but do you feel like there was a modification that you all had to do to learn the WWF method, or was that even a thing then? No, I, I didn't consider it a thing. Yeah. Uh, no, and, and and I know what they what that means is. I don't safe. Think, I don't. Yeah. yeah, but I don't. I also don't think it's like some certain style. Uh, I think it's more of a a mental preparation. Sure. And not not that I've been involved with it and, and, and know what I'm talking about here. I'm just guessing from what I do know. You know, right? I, I do know some people that work for these companies. But I don't ask questions like that, you know. Right. Not at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think a lot of that is is like they don't they don't want to have to correct bad mistakes. You've heard them say that. Uh, people, you know, that have been on the independent for a while develop bad habits, what they call them, um, and some of that I could possibly define. But then on on other things, I don't know what they might consider a bad habit. I think the fucking thigh slap is a bad habit, but obviously it's not a bad thing there. So right, right. What what they consider bad habit, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure, but that's more of what it means. They want to be able to groom their people. They don't want dudes that are already either you know set in their ways or, or right. whatever. So they want to know that they can mold you a little bit. Yeah. And, and I, I the you know one thing I interviewed Magnum TA on my other podcast, and one thing that I didn't realize that you know he said he was talking about you know how they do so much scripted now with the match, even in the back with you know it's all scripted and stuff. And I, I was kind of expecting him to answer this in a different way, almost you know, because every other answer he said was like, oh well, you know we did it better in Jim Crockett and that kind of thing. But when he said this, he said and it. it it reminded me also of a, a move that they missed with you in that Jerry Lynn match where you did this awesome move on the outside and the mm-hmm. camera totally missed it. Well, the mm-hmm. reason he was saying that they script everything now is so that they don't miss those. Well, moves. that does have a lot to do with it. Yeah. Cause yeah. Uh, your agent producer, whatever needs to know what's happening so they can get the right angles and don't miss it. That, that is true. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a different beast, man. It's a different yeah. beast, but ultimately that has nothing to do with with, with the right. wrestlers and you know how they how they work really you know sure it's, it's just, just telling them hey don't miss this 
yeah, make sure that this isn't missed. But that's also as much on the cameraman and the production team and the yeah. director and all that as much as there is anything else. So, yeah, good point. All right, cool. Well, anyway, the next question is from Eddie Smith on Facebook. And this one came in as a direct message here. And he says, you've been around certain talents before they were bigger names, i.e. The Rock, CM Punk, etc. Is there one who surprised you and one who surprised you they didn't become a bigger name? Well, okay, so right off the bat, I have to say that The Rock was my my most surprising one, man. It just was. And it's because of my first experience in the ring with him, as I told you. you know the handstand, all that shit. And I mean, I, I surely ate crow on that. But I think that you know, if Vince McMahon and team are you know convinced and fixated on your success, it's kind of hard to fuck it up. Right. I.e. Roman Reigns, man. They doubled <laughs> down on that dude, even when yeah. the crowd was crapping on him and saying, yeah. this guy's garbage. He'll never be more than a heater for somebody or whatever. Yeah. They doubled down on him as the number one guy, and look where he is now. Whether you're not or not tired of his matches or whatever, but... Yeah. You know, and I won't say that he's the same situation as The Rock. I mean, I don't know that he's, you know, ever going to be. Maybe he is considered. I mean, they've put the belt on him forever, but. I mean, and he, there's there's guys, too, though, that were so talented. And we've seen it a bazillion times, the Brad Armstrongs. And, and you know, uh, life took him away from us. But at the same time, if Brad had, you know, not passed away. What kind of success would he have found in, uh, or you know, besides an agent? Would would they have? Would Vince have really believed in someone like a Brad Armstrong? No right. matter how many of the boys would attest to how great he was, and what a great person, and what a great family, and yada yada yada. Would he have have panned out in the WWE? I don't know. And this yeah. may sound like. Sacrilege, but if you think of somebody like Brad Armstrong or Bobby Eaton, right? They're probably two of the guys that the boys put over more than anyone. And for good, absolutely amazing reason. Both of them were incredibly talented, but, you know, Bobby never worked for Vince. You know what I'm saying? And if you think about it, maybe. Maybe that wouldn't have been a good fit. I, you know, again, yeah. I've heard so many people say, "Well, if Bobby could talk, Bobby would have been a major star." But There's other people that couldn't talk. They made they figured made. it out for him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, giving him a chance is one thing too. You know, but it, sometimes maybe Vince just doesn't. You know, doesn't see it. But to me, maybe. Do you ever feel like some of the boys putting him over can hurt their uh, chances? I, I would. I wouldn't think that, man. It's okay. Just, it's it's the cliche. It's just business, man. And right. the they think of business and what they see as talent is can be different than you know. And and this has been said a hundred times too. And I I believe it to a certain extent. No no offense to our listeners up north, uh, but typically in the wrestling business, especially in those days, um, the northern um, wrestlers, promoters, all that. I'm not going to say look down like the boys probably don't look down on the boys as much as just like the promoter types look down upon Southern people. And let's not get it twisted. Northern people and Southern people ain't always liked each other. Right. It's, so it's still kind of that old thing of uh, dumb hillbillies. Right. You know what I'm saying? They think Absolutely. we're all dumb hillbillies. 
and Bobby, uh, Alabama, um, and his voice and some of that stuff to them is not fucking marketable in their eyes. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And, you know, I do believe that that's a real thing, though, for sure. Absolutely. hundred percent believe. But I I mean, you and Jamie go up north and sign autographs. That's like they love y'all. You know, it's. Yeah, they appreciate us now because many people have said uh, they've come to it. Oh, we only got to see y'all in magazines and blah, blah, blah. But now anybody anywhere can pretty much access whatever they wanted to see of, of some of our stuff, you know? So. Right. And, and, you know, there is that Memphis too, man, because so yeah. many guys, I mean, I've heard some of the all time greats. I mean, one of the all time greats wouldn't have a career without Memphis and Hulk Hogan. I mean, he had a great little run in Memphis there. And, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, somebody like I've heard Jake, the snake, talk negative about memphis you know like and that kind of hurts because he's a southern guy too and there there is an element of of negativity on the memphis thing that oh yeah but that just shows me a little bit of ignorance and maybe payday maybe guys didn't like the paydays in memphis and i'm sure that you know that hurt that you know as far as somebody maybe like jake is thinking of it from the payday sense versus the actual work and and you know somebody like jake (laughs) jake is very in his ways you know and jake's gonna believe a lot of things that he's always gonna believe and and love him for it man Mm -hmm. jake's awesome never gonna question the dude but Mm -hmm. little i've heard him say stuff about nah i never really liked the memphis stuff you know and (laughs) it's just like well okay you know (laughs) i'm sorry that you're missing the boat but maybe it's just not the boat for him and yeah I mean, I don't love all the Mid-South stuff, even though people just like fall to pieces over the Mid-South and not give the Memphis props. That's what annoys me. But then you even heard <laughs> Dirty White Boy say it, you know, like, this is howdy doody time, boys. You know, like, I mean, that's like a weird backhanded compliment. You know, it is. It did is. you almost take it that way when he said well, it? Well, I mean, I know, Tony, I'm not going to be offended by it. I laughed of at course. It, I, I knew what he meant. <laughs> yeah and it was just to me like man almighty come on bro like but i knew what he meant and it's just funny that from knoxville to memphis it turns into howdy do anytime you know <laughs> yeah. what i'm saying but hey i'm never gonna question dirty white boy he's awesome so anyway yeah that's that's all i got for today so thank you all for the questions and thank you wolfie for answering them so yeah i hope they're still with us because we went on for a while today <laughs> <laughs> It's normally we do this sometimes in pieces, guys, and I've made Wolfie do the whole show in one sitting. So yeah. I think an applause should be given just for that. So. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, man, we we got it done, man. Uh, fun episode. Um, we'll see what we can figure out for next week because I, I guess I got to hang up and go ahead and start thinking about that one, right? Start texting <laughs> some people or thinking about episode topics. Whatever you want to do, I'm, I'm trusting oh, guess you. What? Guess what? Uh, what? You're a shocker. But uh, preseason has started, buddy. Oh, and man. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a game on tonight. Titans yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. So. Yeah. Here goes the attention span. Is yeah. it just me, or did it go by so fast? I feel like we just had the draft. Yeah. Like we had the draft and got this quarterback, and uh, not that he's starting or anything, but it's like just all of a sudden it was like, 
uh, draft OTAs training camps over. It's it, I didn't even catch there was a game on last week the first one uh, whoever played in the first preseason game but I missed it I was like what I didn't know it started yet and it was getting close well you know speaking of football I gotta say this first of all tighten up but second of all I recently saw on social media that Blue Meanie was at the Eagles preseason training camp and guess who he was standing beside in a picture Dennis Kelly Dennis Kelly, our boy, <laughs> former guest of the show, Dennis Kelly. Is I only he going to be a- because I knew where he ended up signing at? <laughs> okay, so he signed again with the Eagles. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, good for him, man. I'm I'm happy to see that. I'm happy to see that he still wants to keep playing. You know, yeah. so uh, it's been a few weeks ago now, but I'm just hinting around it, man. Where are you going? You playing or what? And uh, got kind of a message of I'm, I'm visiting Philadelphia, and I think he sent something back. Yeah, so I'm signing with Philadelphia or something like that. So, That's yeah. cool, man. He must <laughs> enjoy it up there. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known had he not have told me that. So That's no, cool. I have, I have not seen the picture. Yeah, Meany's standing there with him, and I'm like, who's that short guy with the blue hair? Because <laughs> I know who Dennis is. No, both former guests of the show. If y'all haven't listened to the Dennis Kelly or Blue Meany episode, go back and check them out. You know, old Meany signed with Conrad, man. We're still trying to get Wolfie that Conrad contract. So maybe one day we'll get you to the big times, kid. <laughs> and, oh, it's uh, dangling that carrot, man. <laughs> just... Tell them about Jimmy across the street when you get there, okay? <laughs> That's all I ask. So, I got all right. you. All right. <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll holler back at you next week. And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. The podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics, to superstar interviews, to action figure expertise. This team does it all, and all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling! Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's right. It's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah! Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. Hey everyone, this is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you are interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M, the man, 73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World.
So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at LiveWolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more, is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cat for you, don't. He got a cat for you, don't. I got a cat for you, don't. He got a cat for you, don't. And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause you're spitting the truth. Still loving in color. Don't rush your mother. Utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD. And I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Title suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping reasons. First white boy coming out hip hop. Been doing it like this since 92. Played low for a while when you thought I was through. Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected. This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected. Mad skills, no faking, there is no one great. Cause I'm bringing more folks and over one for later. Not here to play games, so you better be right. You don't like me, so what? I really don't care. Like time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped. You suck a step to the side unless you want to get dropped. When I finish, I'll straight knock you out. Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. Gonna wind it up. And I'm driving it home, it's Wolfie D, baby. Huh, I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.